0: My name is Jared. And my name is L. And you're listening to The New Leaf Project. Elle, we've got a great episode today. Can you tell us a little bit about what we're going to be listening to?
1: I can. It's been a while, though. It
0: has been a while.
1: Since we have hung out here on the podcast land.
0: It's a good land, this.
1: It's it's a great land. And we're happy to be back. And we're going to have lots more episodes this year. And mm-hmm. uh, our podcast network is growing. And so you're going to be hearing from us maybe more than you'd like in your ears here. <laughs> so thanks for being along for the ride. And um, we're looking forward to this this 2023 year. Uh, the interview that we have today, a wonderful interview, a person that we've had on the podcast before, Sarah Wilkins Laflemme. Many of you may know that name. She is the associate professor at the University of Waterloo for religion. Um, she is is just a fascinating individual. She's someone that we've we've taken on tour uh, before in the past. She is so connected to the religious landscape in Canada, understanding the data. She's actually part of the team that works at StatsCan to help us understand the statistics. And right before Christmas of 2022, uh, maybe some of you missed it because it was kind of holiday season already, but the new statistics about the religious landscape in Canada came out. Um, that is the numbers from the most recent census. And so... We sat down and had a conversation, made sense to me to go to the person who helped with these statistics, um, to go to her and to ask for help on how, as Jesus followers, can we understand what's happening around us, what's happening to our own Christian faith in Canada. And so I'll just let you listen to the episode. It's excellent. Lots of data, lots of data points. And in the show notes, we're going to put links to some of these StatCan graphs and information so that you can check them out as well as you listen.
0: All right. Well, let's give it a listen.
1: Well, hello, New Leaf friends. I am here with a longtime friend of New Leaf, Sarah Wilkins LaFlemme. We're here to talk about the stats data, which, as New Leaf folks, you would all know, we were giddy over receiving these. So, Sarah, thank you for being uh, with us today. Would you mind just telling some of the listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, hi, Al. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, everyone. Yeah, so my name's Sarah Wilkins of Flam. I'm an associate prof uh, at uh, the University of Waterloo in sociology and legal studies. And I'm one of like maybe a small handful of religion stats experts in Canada. I actually am on StatsCan's expert advisory committee for the religion and ethnicity statistics. And so I was also really giddy <laughs> when this new census data from 2021 on religion came out uh, back at the end of October. And so yeah, looking forward forward to chatting with you all today about it.
1: We thought instead of myself or Jared trying to uh, wax eloquent about this, that we would just come to the source and have you share a little bit about the new information. So do you want to kind of just tell us a little bit about this year's uh, data and we can kind of dig in as we get going?
2: Yeah, sounds good. So in some ways, the, the data from 2021 was not all that surprising in the sense it was a continuation of trends we'd been seeing for the past few decades. So overall, Christian numbers were down, right? So uh, Christianity as a whole, uh, it represents now 53% of the Canadian population in 2021. That's down from 67% in 2011. So there was a a decline there. Uh, Most Christian traditions saw a drop. uh, So Catholicism saw a drop and now represents about 30% of the Canadian population. Uh, The mainline process Groups, you know, Anglican, United Church, Lutheran, Presbyterian, they they had been seeing declines for a long time, so they they kept going down. Um, Maybe a bit more surprising is some of the groups that we consider more conservative or evangelical in Canada, like the Baptist Church or Pentecostals, um, or smaller uh, groups also saw a bit of a decline. They're a smaller portion of the population, anyways, so not as big, but uh, they still went down a bit. The the two Christian groups that went up uh, that that Kind of buck the overall trend was the Orthodox Church, right? So they are still gaining from uh, immigration, especially coming from Eastern Europe. So they uh, they represent now about two percent of the Canadian population, mm. and there was also the the category <laughs> that's always referred to by StatsCan, I find it's quite funny as the Christian not otherwise specified group. So the people who just write Christian or might just write Protestant, but usually it's they just write in Christian because the question that StatsCan asks in the census is a a writing question. You can write down what you like. And so that group actually grew by quite a bit. So that group is now quite sizable. Um, It's about 8% of the Canadian population. Hmm. So, um, you know, apart from Catholicism, it's actually the larger uh, category now. And so I think... uh, you know, that group's always a bit difficult to get a sense of exactly who it is because there's no other information provided about these individuals. And so it's probably looks like from other research and other data we have access to, it looks like it's a combination of maybe some people who are you know, not that involved in in Christianity anymore, maybe were once part of maybe, say, like a mainline uh, tradition, Um, but, you know, still keep some kind of identity tied to Christianity by just saying they're Christian, but are maybe on their way out sort of thing, on the way towards no religion. So that's probably one group. But you probably also have some coming more from the evangelical or conservative side who are maybe still quite practicing, right, Well, are still quite involved with a congregation, um, but who prefer that Christian label, who don't necessarily want to specify denomination, at least on the census. And so it's probably a bit of both. So maybe some of the losses that we're seeing amongst the the, the evangelical denominations, maybe they're going to that more kind of broader Christian category. So so that's Christianity as a whole. Um, the other, another big uh, story that came out of these data is obviously the growth of non-Christian traditions continues and we saw it in 2021, especially Islam, Hinduism and Sikhism. So they're still gaining a lot from immigration and so mm. they're growing. So Islam now represents 5% of the population in Canada and that's, that's up from 3% in 2011. And, uh, and then the other big story that you probably all heard of that, that seemed to make the most impact was that, that category of people who said they have no religion, um, it, it really grew. <laughs> so it was at about 24% in 2011, and now it's at 35% of the population. So over a third of people in Canada say they have no religion. Was that a surprise that it jumped that much? By that much, yes. So again, it had been a trend we'd been seeing going up for a while since pretty much the 70s and so the fact that it went up wasn't that big of a surprise but yeah it really jumped by by quite a bit and especially because of Quebec Quebec often can impact numbers uh, because there's such a big population but in in Quebec there had been for a long time this kind of what we call cultural Catholicism where people would identify as Catholic but are not necessarily all that practicing, don't necessarily attend mass all that often and have this kind of of like love-hate relationship with the church and you know that's still a, a big chunk of the Quebec population but it really dropped in the last 10 years. So uh, so Catholicism in Quebec went from representing 75% of the Quebec population to 54% in 2021. So 75% of 2011 to 20 um to 53% in 2021. And so that's over a 20 point percentage drop, which is, you know, In the 40 years before that in Quebec, we'd seen like a 10 percentage point drop, so it really tanked in Quebec. And and I think it also, uh, the rise in no religion was also quite prevalent in other parts of Canada as well. And so it really bumped that number up of those who say they have no religion to the point that I think in 2017, StatsCan had put out a prediction that like, oh, you know, by something like uh, 2030, Catholics and the no religion group would be the same size in Canada. Well, in in fact, they're already the no religion groups already larger than Catholics. So it happened uh, well over a decade before they were predicting it. So I think that's kind of how quick it it, and it may be caught some of us off guard. Wow.
1: Uh, You are an excellent Twitter follow. And I loved all (laughs) of the data that you were putting out these kind of graphs and and little um, images, you were tracking across the country, kind of explaining some of the differences. So for some of the listeners, would you some may be familiar, but for those aren't who aren't, would you just be able to kind of highlight for us the differences as you kind of track across Canada?
2: Yeah, no okay, so at SWILK033 on Twitter, if you're interested. Uh, yeah, there, there's some huge regional variations, right? So the numbers I just gave you are for Canada as a whole and, and probably similar to what Ontario looks like too because Ontario is usually kind of in the middle mm. geographically but also in terms of these trends and is ju- just a bigger weight in terms of numbers of people in these statistics. But you do see from east to west, you see a, a huge difference as well as if you go north. So, for example, on the east coast, um, you know, Christianity is still doing relatively well. Like we have seen some rise of those who say they have no religion in the East Coast, but it's still proportionally smaller than what you see in the rest of Canada. And Newfoundland is maybe uh, Newfoundland and Labrador probably the the most extreme version of that, right? So uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador, the vast majority of people are still affiliated to some Christian tradition, right? So about 32% Catholic, mm-hmm. 34% of a mainline Protestant denomination of some kind. There's 6% Pentecostal, which is quite high. For compared to the rest of the country, mm-hmm. and, and a few other, about 10% coming from other Christian groups. So that's like your, your big chunk of the Newfoundland population. And only about 16% of people in Newfoundland and Labrador say they have no religion. So that's kind of one of the part places where Christianity is doing a bit better, at least in terms of that identity marker that we measure in the census. And if you contrast that to if we go all the way west to mm-hmm. BC, Uh, We see quite, I would say the opposite, but pretty much uh, the opposite is that over half the population in British Columbia now says they have no religion, right? It's a super high percentage, way higher than the national average. Um, You know, Christians uh, represent a much smaller portion of the population, um, somewhere about like 30% overall, all traditions included. Um, Maybe a little bit more, maybe about a third are are Christian in British Columbia, depending on who you count as Christian or not. And um, yeah, now, obviously, large Sikh groups in, in British Columbia because of the composition of its immigration, especially, um, and and so yeah, they are really big regional disparities. What's fun with the census data is we also have good information about northern Canada, um, which we don't usually get usually. Yeah. Uh, most surveys don't include the North, which is terrible. And so we finally got some some good, some religion data, at least on the Northern territories. So for example, Yukon actually beats out British Columbia. It's got 60% of people who say they have no religion. Hmm. And that's probably a combination of people coming from white European settler backgrounds, but also uh, those coming from Indigenous communities um, who are Indigenous. Uh, you know, some will identify, especially with different uh, Christian traditions, but some will see the religion label as a, a settler colonial one, and will usually uh, often answer no religion on the on the census when asked. And so, yeah, we saw we we're saying some pretty cool stuff across the country going on. You know, the the general trends I start uh, I talked about at the start, most of them are happening across Canada. It's more kind of degrees and and how far along they are in these trends that that we see that regional variation. Yeah.
1: So, in your with that group the those who would say they have no religion and seeing that that drastic rise which is always such a fascinating group to me what what's the composition to the best of our ability i know it's hard to specify on the data but you know in your research what's the composition of that group look like
2: yeah, there's a few uh, demographic trends in that group. It's it's definitely younger on average, right? So if you look at younger age groups, like say your 20 20, 20 to 24 year olds, uh, there's 40% who say they have no religion, and it can go even higher if you look at a bit younger. Um, amongst the millennial generation in a lot of parts of Canada, it's more than half now say they have no religion. Um, millennial generation usually considered those born from the mid 80s to the the mid 2000s, and so yeah, so it's definitely that's probably your key trend is the. Age one amongst the non-religious, they're definitely younger, and so that's why we're expecting the rise in no religion to continue moving forward demographically as as older generations pass away, who were more religious, who who identified more with religious traditions, uh, are being replaced by younger generations who are less likely to to identify, and so it's it's um, it's a trend we expect moving forward as well. Um, uh, another key trend is is there is uh, quite a, a large uh, racial or ethnic gap um, those Who say they have no religion are much more likely to be white uh, settler Europeans who are born in Canada, and um, you know not all. You see people who have no religion of all various sorts, but on average, they're they're uh, much more kind of specific. European background uh, group, and um, and so that's that's a that's a gap we haven't really seen decline. So we've seen other gaps like there used to be a gender gap. It used to be that men would say they have no religion in higher proportions than women. We're still seeing like a little bit of that, but that's mostly gone now. As as saying no religion has become more normalized in our society. Um, we also used to see like a rural urban gap, um, but again, also declined. There's still a bit of one out there, but it's it's now. You know, rural populations now have quite high proportions of those who say they have no religion. There used to be like an education gap too. Those who had a university education used to say they had no religion in higher proportions, but that's also quite reduced now. Um, But the the gap that we do see remain is is a racial one. And so um, those who are of immigrant background or racial minorities are much more likely to identify with a religion Um, that can either be Christianity or a whole variety of non-Christian religions, and are much more likely to be practicing uh their faith right on a regular basis attending uh group activities with a religious group um and so that's that's one that's still pretty prevalent in the country yeah that is so
1: interesting would you say i know it's hard to ask stats can questions that it's not asking but i mean you know when i see this jump in the uh, the christian not otherwise specified and the jump in the in those who say they have no religion, especially as you're saying that they're often white, they're often Canadian-born. It it feels to me that sometimes these Christian groups, myself included, we have a, a we have a great skill in making people who have no religious affiliation. And I'm just wondering, like, this is always my question: like, is that a fair assumption to say that this jump in those who say they have no religion likely at one time were a part? of a Christian tradition.
2: Yeah, I think most were right so that no religion group, um, because it's so large, because it's it's the background, it's many of them are coming from, again, that kind of white European settler background, most of them were at some point coming from Christian families, right? So either their parents or their grandparents, or maybe were even Christian themselves earlier on in their lives, and now are are saying they have no religion. And so for, for the vast majority of those who say they have no religion, that's the background they're coming from. There's a few other groups in there that you see, for example, East Asians. Uh, also tend to say they have no religion, right? Those coming from China and Japan, especially. um, but uh, but for the most part, it's it's uh, especially those who have a mainline Protestant background. So if you kind of look back, you know, when we're able to, when we do other studies where we look back through the generations, it's kind of, you know, maybe two or three generations ago their family was United Church or Anglican. And now not so much because, again, we've really as as the no religion groups ro- risen, the, the mainline Protestants have been the group that's really seen the most declines in Canada, even though others have as well. And so yeah, I think I think um it, it's definitely the definitely coming from from a, a Christian background. And and yeah, it's we often you know, the main factor at play, you know, depending on, I don't want to spend an hour talking about causality and what, what causes something or or the understandings of that, but but the main factor we tend to identify is a lack of religious transmission, right? So it's usually... The younger generation didn't receive as much religious socialization or religious education when they were growing up from either their family or their surrounding social environment that's now less religious than it was in the past, right? Think of school, of the community in general. And so those individuals are much more likely to go on to say they have no religion, right? If you're raised quite actively in a uh, in a religious context, if you're attending religious services and activities quite frequently as a child and teenager, you can disaffiliate, and it does happen. um, But you're also much more likely to go on to remain more actively religious as an adult adult as well. That religious socialization, as we call it in sociology, really plays a key role um, in uh, you know adult behavior. It doesn't determine (laughs) what you're going to be as an adult, but it obviously what you learn during your childhood and teenage years usually has a big impact. Mm. And so it's kind of the, the, the failure a bit of that religious transmission between generations, especially it looks like now between boomers and generations that came after them, Gen X and millennials, um, that's pretty key in that rise of, of, of no religion. Yeah. When you're looking
1: at the stats, you know, you had said that the jump in those who say they have no religion, no religion was
2: kind of surprising. Were there any other surprises that you got from the data? Well, I think that that kind of Christian, not otherwise specified group was was a big one. You know, obviously, I work with a lot of statistics, and so none of this was 100% surprising, like we all kind of see the saw these trends coming. And so I don't know if surprises an emotion, I feel <laughs> when you're running stats models and looking at statistics. Fair enough. <laughs> but, Fair enough. Um, but I guess, yeah, the one that kind of was like, ooh, got my interest a little bit more was that 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 Christian not otherwise specified category, because that one went up quite a bit, like it had been, you know, maybe around the three, 4% mark a few decades ago. And now it's it's about double that. And so that's interesting. And again, these are kind of like things I've been hearing anecdotally, right? like uh, People who are involved in different groups were kind of just self-identifying as Christian and not really into specific denominations and their differences all that much anymore. And so I think we're seeing a reflection of that. It's not enough to compensate for the other declines we've seen in other Christian traditions so there is still an overall decline there in Christian affiliation but it is kind of interesting to see the shifts within Christianity happening is that these these denominational markers don't seem to matter quite as much anymore again especially amongst younger generations who are and and you know you see that reflected in what some religious groups are doing as well they're sometimes moving away from names that tie them to a specific denomination and more going for like a community church as a name or Jesus followers right and so i think you're starting to see that a bit in the numbers as well. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's interesting. When you, I know you're always doing research, and what are some of kind of the new questions that you, or, or someone like a Joel Thiessen, you know, in your in your yeah. group, like, what are some of the new questions and research that you guys are going after?
2: Oh, my God, there's so many, right? Uh, There's so much interesting stuff, and that's a good sign. That means it's not time to retire yet, (laughs) from my point of view. Uh, Well, I know that, for example, Joel Thiessen, colleague and and also friend of New Leaf, is, I'm sure you've talked to him about this before, he's doing a big project on flourishing congregations. So in an overall context where Christianity isn't doing maybe as well as it used to, or or is not um, as prevalent a part of our population and society as it once was, um, you know, the groups that are doing well, what are they doing, right? what are they doing maybe differently or uniquely that, that allows them to buck the overall trend of decline? And so I think he's, I, I was listening to some of his results recently, they're coming out of that project, and they're really fascinating, right? Because it's not necessarily, you know, we tend to have this, um, in, in our field, there's this theory that, oh, it's the more conservative groups because they're quite distinct from the rest of society that do better. And that's actually, you know, there's some of that, but there, there's, it's not all that's going on in Canada. For example, there are some Anglican or United congregations yeah. <laughs> And groups that are doing quite very well. And so, you know, what are they doing well? <laughs> like, why are they doing well? Are they, is it because they're generating a strong network amongst their people, like strong connections that kind of keep people coming back, even, you know, after everything that happened with the pandemic as well? Like we we're in that moment. Um, and yeah, so it's really fascinating. So I'll let him talk more about that that project. But that's a cool series of questions. Um, you know, obviously there, there's a whole series of questions around um kind of the the non-Christian groups. And, you know, for example, are Muslim groups playing the same or a similar role in civil society that some Christian groups used to play, right? Are they providing social services on a scale now that they're become quite large in society are they providing uh, social services on a, on a larger scale as well right are they what's their role in society how is that working out and so I think that's an area that a lot of people are fascinated by as well as just understanding these traditions but also kind of what role do they play in Canadian society and and from my end law projects I've been involved in is looking more at this group that says they have no religion and so okay so we know what they're not right most of them are, Not all that engaged with any form of religion or even spirituality. There's some who we call like spiritual but not religious, who maybe, you know, define a practice that they take part in as spiritual. Um, That's maybe about about a quarter to a third of them. Um, but the rest are kind of just mostly removed from religion and spirituality, no matter how we can really measure it. And so the question becomes in like, well, what what are they involved in? <laughs> and so what, how are they defining the world? What are they doing with their time? Uh, what is meaningful to them? How are they kind of, you know, thinking about their lives and their place in the world and, and, and what do they do accordingly? And so that's another big project that I'm involved called the Non-Religion in a Complex Future Project, kind of looking into that. So for example, one side project there is we're looking at nature and how does kind of being in the outdoors and nature kind of help be be part of that world creation or worldview that they have of understanding what's around them sort of thing, right? So... Yeah, that's kind of some of the big questions. But again, the, I think these are the types of data that just raise more questions <laughs> when the census comes out than, than they actually answer. So it's the most of this census day is usually just a starting point because it's only one question, right? It's what is your religion? It it kind of, you know, gives us a, a global overview of what's mm-hmm. what the population is is saying and answering towards that question. But it also kind of, you know, raises a whole acts more of a starting point for kind of more inquiry. Yeah.
1: Are you noticing these trends? So, you know, I love the Canadian specific data. But are we, are you noticing some of these trends in other parts of the world? Or are we kind of are? Are we on our own with some of this data? Or are there people that are kind of going through similar
2: things? Uh, there's definitely others going through similar things. Uh, there was kind of a funny moment. I was with a, as as this expert advisor for StatsCan, I was on a Zoom call with one of the StatsCan employees. And he, he said when he first saw the size of the no religion group, he freaked out a bit because he thought it was maybe a problem with the census data rather than like an actual reflection of how people answered wow. it. And so he was quite freaked out. So he had he went and looked elsewhere to kind of calm himself down a bit. Basically, was the way he described it. And so he went and looked at Australia, who had just come out with their census data and who had showed something very similar. And he's like, "Phew, OK, <laughs> save. And then he'd also looked at some data in the US, which was also showing a similar rise in no religion. The US, uh, you know, is overall a more religious population than we are in terms of if you look at in cares like frequency of prayer, frequency of religious service attendance, but s- more recently since the 1990s they have been kind of seeing that rise of no religion and they're almost caught us up now in terms of the size of that demographic in the US so we're actually not that different from the US and then recently the UK just came out with their census data and also showed something pretty similar and so i think you know it's it's obviously a western phenomenon i don't want to say it's across the whole world here but i think there's a lot of western countries who are either showing this trend or who are further along with it right if you look at a country like say france it has a much higher rate of people who say they have no religion or somewhere like, you know, the Netherlands or or some of the kind of west other Western European nations. And so it's it's definitely not unique to Canada.
1: To your knowledge historically, has there been a time in Canada's history where we've been like are we somewhere we've never been before? Is I guess what I'm trying to ask.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. We always think of ourselves as different from the past, right? But it's an important question to ask. I think, you know, that might be one that James Robertson has talked about before, right? You're another good friend of, of New Leaf and whose yeah. book I am diligently reading it. I don't know if you can see it yeah, on my coffee table. I do, I do, I do, I do see it. <laughs> yeah, it's That's actually great. there. I'm, I'm about halfway through. Um, and And so he actually argues that, no, we have been not exactly here before, but there have been periods in Canadian history where uh, larger chunks of the population would not be affiliated with a religious group, right? And so he's talking maybe like earlier 19th century. I think that's kind of before the Methodist revival, before the Victorian era. And, and it, it's we so, some of us tend to kind of like have a more simplistic view of the past, like this kind of golden age for religion, like religion was always more prevalent in the past. Whereas in reality, that's not the case. It's kind of maybe ebbs and flows is <laughs> a better description of it. Obviously, like if you start going and comparing to the far past, like the medieval era, it's quite hard to compare because it, it was such a different world, like world structure and worldview yeah. and how you understood the world. And, you know, even if you maybe weren't attending, activities with a religious group, you still really were immersed in that Christian world more than we are today, right? And so, but if you compare more with like our recent few past few hundred years, um, and uh, yeah, like when when Canada was first being settled by Europeans, you know, there were obviously missionaries who arrived and who were doing their, their own thing. But some of the populations who arrived couldn't care less about religion, were actually actively fleeing some of the religion wars going on in Europe, right? So where maybe like the, the Protestant Huguenots coming from France, or, you know, just the fur traders and that who were probably <laughs> couldn't, couldn't care less. Um, and so, um, and it's really in the 19th century that you start to see Christianity really becoming institutionalized in Canada, right? Really setting down like physical roots, like mm-hmm. building lots of churches, becoming this huge social institution that basically, you know, helped run the country for about 100, 150 years. And and that's kind of the shift that we see later on in the 1960s in Canada is kind of the end of that way of doing Christianity, where Christianity was a main provider of social services, maybe, you know, the village church or churches were like the hub of social life of political life, maybe in a more rural agricultural context of the past. And we're just not in that society anymore, right. And so um, it's always hard to compare. It's kind of like comparing apples and oranges, right? <laughs> because now, like, I guess I'm always struck today about how many actual people there are, right? Like, I'll look at a at a city, even like Kitchener-Waterloo, where we're like, depending on where you put the the borders, we're at, you know, two hundred to five hundred thousand people. Like that was like that's considered like a mid to small size city now like that was considered like a massive metropolis in the past right like like i i'm reading while i'm reading jamie's book i'm like he's giving the numbers i'm like man there was like 14,000 people for all of ontario back in the day like that was not a lot right Mm -hmm. like you you had uh you went for many days without seeing someone in that wilderness context uh you would see more mosquitoes than you would people right and um and so you know that that's like a completely different mm. different context right and so there's a lot less complexity and things going on when you have a smaller population now we're such a huge group of people that there's so much stuff going on like alternatives of what you can do with your time alternative ways of understanding the world alternative just kind of groups and and, and friends of ways of thinking that that it's um that it's it's yeah it's it's a very different context so again, in some ways, there, there have been periods in our history where there have been larger groups who've said they had no religion, um, but in other ways, it's kind of different it's different now in the sense that I'm not sure like the, the possibilities for a big Christian revival now are maybe more limited because you have all of this other stuff going on to kind of compete with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when the Methodist revival happened in the U S and Canada around the mid 19th century, I'm guessing, you know, I, I, I don't want to downplay. It. it was a very important movement and a very, had a big impact in our society at the time. But it was probably because there wasn't a whole lot of going on. <laughs> 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 like the, the guy, the, 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 horseback preacher showed up and, Everyone's like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's a new person. Like We haven't seen it like anyone in like three weeks. <laughs> Let's listen to what this person has to say. Right now, like you, that information gets lost, like mm. if someone's got a new message, uh, it gets lost in the hundreds of thousands of YouTube videos or, or whatnot. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to kind of compare and contrast with the past. Right. Yeah. You always seem to
1: be doing some new research or putting out some book. Would you be able to just share with our listeners a couple of the things that you've done in the past and maybe some stuff that you have going on now that people could connect in with?
2: Yeah, um, well, I've got a new book out on millennials and their religion, spirituality, and secularity. So this was kind of my pandemic project because I had nothing better to do (laughs) during lockdown. I did not have small children to take care of. And so my time was more, it was freer than maybe other people's were. And uh, yeah, so during the pandemic, I kind of put together a a few research projects I've been doing and came up with a a book that was kind of conveying information about how millennials do religion and spirituality and secularity. Because, you know, again, that younger generation born, especially in the 1980s and 1990s, they have seen a lot of religious declines like that. Is part of of what defines their generation. But at the same time, like they're still doing religion and spirituality, or at least certain portions of the generation is in in really interesting ways, because Mm. it's a generation where now that non-religion has become like a default of sorts, like you kind of you're assumed to be non-religious as as a younger adult. But at the same time, so for those who are doing religion and spirituality, they kind of have to contend with this and think about it and interact with it in ways that previous generations haven't had to do. And so the book explores that, kind of looks at different categories of millennials in terms of how they do religion and spirituality and kind of some of the key ways that they're, you know, in interviews, they're talking about that faith of theirs um, and in survey data, some of the key trends we're seeing um, related to that. So, yeah, that's kind of the big the big new project that's out. So it's a it's a book with Routledge that came out this year and it's called, you know, Religion, Spirituality and Secularity Amongst Millennials. And um, yeah, so that's the big one. I I've, I had to put a lot of time aside just to talk about the census. So there's lots of if you're interested on Twitter, you can see that. But there's a lot of different articles and talks, and I don't know how much different the information in each of those is. It's pretty much the same ten minute blurb that I've given to everyone. But if you're interested, it, there's a bit of different stuff. Like each kind of media outlet has their own interest sometimes, sure. so you can see it there. But uh, yeah, I think those are kind of some of the some of the big ones. And and yeah, I just I I love this. So it's it's something that I do for work, but also because I enjoy it. So I'll keep doing more of it.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's great. When is the next census? So when can we hope to have the next data like this?
2: That's a great question, Elle. I actually, um So there is data that comes out every year through StatsCan through another one of their big surveys called the General Social Survey, that I actually prefer because it actually has four or five variables on religion. Like, oh, oh ooh la la, <laughs> more than one question about four or five questions. <laughs> and so you can get a bit more at like, you know, the sense of how important beliefs are for people, how much they're attending religious services uh, in the last 12 months, how often they're doing kind of personal religious or spiritual practices. There's actually a new question in that survey series about people's backgrounds, so whether they were, mm. what religion they identified as kids, and if they're the, still the same today. And so that that one comes out every year, so there's always interesting information from that. Um, the, in terms of the census, the big question, the big religious affiliation question, the census. I think StatsCan is actually planning to to move it to every five years now. It used to be every 10 years. So that's why this one was a big deal in 2021, because we hadn't had new big data since 2011 from about a fifth of the Canadian population that answered the question. Um, so we might have it in five years, but I'm not, I'm not sure to what extent that's set yet. <laughs> Definitely every 10 years <laughs> moving forward. Maybe in five, we might get it, Let's see uh, how they feel and Who's, who's forming the government and who's uh, working in the bureaucracy at that time to see if we get our question in in the next time the census is run. So that would be 2026, right? Yeah, 2026. Yeah, 2026. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you
1: for taking time out of your busy schedule to have this conversation. Thank you for all the work that you do. For those of us who find this data just fascinating, uh, just so grateful for all of the work that you do. And um, we'll make some links in the show notes to some of your research and your new book that's come out so that people can take a look at it. So thank you for being a longtime friend of New
2: Leaf and for chatting with us today. That's been wonderful, Elle. I, I wish everyone a-, a happy new year.
0: All right. That was Sarah Wilkins LaFlamme talking to us about the Canadian religious landscape. Any jump outs for you, Elle, there?
1: Oh my goodness. She threw a lot of data at us.
0: She sure so did. I un-
1: I understand that some people may still be processing that. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been interested in this data. A lot of folks around the New Leaf table have been as it's come out um, with some of these census numbers. And so, of course, I'm fascinated by the category of no religion, which has jumped from 24% to 35%. Um, That's something that kind of stuck out to me. I find it interesting that the Christian not otherwise specified has grown. I Wonder if that's folks who still want to follow Jesus, still interested in the Christian faith, but have kind of backed away from their denominational affiliations, or even perhaps um, evangelicalism as a as a whole, or or perhaps the mainline tradition that they grew up in. So that that jump is kind of interesting, and they'd like to do, as she said, some more work around that. Those were a few things that jumped out to me. I'm also just so grateful that Canada has the ability to have these kind of deep dive. Statistics and if you're interested in looking at that again, we'll we'll link it to the show notes. But it is just you can search it on Google. Um, but it's it's StatCan.gc.ca and it's under the Religion Reference Guide, the Census Population of 2021. So if you put that in any kind of search, you'll find it and you'll be able to see some of that data.
0: Yeah, if you want to give this episode a re-listen and pull that up, I think that'd be a really helpful kind of listening guide. And she's a great tour guide for that information we're just so grateful uh for her work tracking this in canada and it is important for us especially around the new leaf network to to be able to subdivide that that non's category right and we we've learned through all kinds of resources we've we've had um you know, Joel Teeson on the podcast and he's explained. And it's it's important to look at the broad trends, but also to understand the stuff that's underneath. And uh, you know, not everyone who's a non used to be Christian, but lots of nons come from Christian heritage, perhaps, or were uh Christians at one time. Uh we often call those folks duns, of course. Um and there is this process that a lot of folks are talking about right now called deconstructing. And I'm sure lots of our listeners already know exactly what that means. But we're going to be doing a bit of a deeper dive uh, into into the the process of deconstruction. We've got a a learning center coming up, but we also have a book in development that we're really excited about. We can't say a lot because the project is not finished yet, but just stay tuned to the New Leaf Network Press because we're going to be coming out with a book on deconstruction written by uh, two top-notch researchers. I'm really excited about that, but... You're going to have to wait a little bit for that one. If you want to get into this right away, uh, what can we do, Elle? Well, we are actually
1: having a four-week book study with Canadian author and theologian Brad Jerzak. It starts on Thursday, February the 9th. He's written an amazing book. It's called Out of the Embers, Faith After the Great Deconstruction. And what I love about the book um, is that it's not necessarily, um, it's looking at deconstruction at Both angles for some folks going through a process of deconstruction has really been life giving for them. It was liberating for them to relook at some of their beliefs and maybe take away some of those barriers to faith in God and they find on the other end of it that their uh, relationship with God and their trust in Jesus is even closer and better than it was before. For others, deconstruction can be really difficult, almost traumatic. It's complicated. um, And Brad does a beautiful job of exploring the necessity of deconstruction, the, the perils of it, and then also the possibilities. And so if you are someone who has experienced deconstruction, if you're walking with someone or pastoring someone who is in that kind of place, or you yourself are asking some hard questions, we would love to have you participate in this book study. Brad is going to be with us for the first week to kind of set us up. He's going to come back for the fourth week and do some Q&A. And in those in-between weeks, we're going to wrestle with this book and this content in community. We're going to be offering it in the day and the night. We believe in this so much and think this is such an important conversation for the Canadian church to be having. So we're really thrilled that Brad is going to be joining us and we would love for you to participate as well. Or if there's someone you know that would really benefit from being a part of this.
0: Yeah, deconstruction for me was a huge part of, it laid all kinds of very powerful foundations for the faith I currently live in. So sometimes there's a tendency to think that deconstruction is the exit door from Christianity. But in some other, in, at least in my case, it was literally just opening up brand new, wide open spaces uh, for my faith, for my connection to Jesus and I'm grateful for that process in my life. Yes, it was challenging. Yes, it was scary at times. Yes, it was even lonely. But if you are experiencing that, come join us. We we are not afraid of asking these questions. We are not afraid of what's on the other side. And uh, this is a powerful, important process. So uh, yeah, if, if, if you are in that zone, come and join us for this learning center. Uh, if you're uh, um, hitting this podcast after the fact, the good news about our learning centers is they're all available on Teachable, and if you're a subscriber uh, to the learning center, you can get access to it. So it's never too late, and we're excited. And you can join friends virtually, uh, and I, I think it's an important thing. So. Al, if people want to stay connected to what we're doing, if they want to know what's going on in the New Leaf Network, we've got an exciting lineup of, of things happening this year. How do they do it? The easiest way to keep up with
1: this is our website, newleafnetwork.ca. On the very bottom of the first page of the website, you'll see a space where you can sign up for our newsletter. We promise not to try to sell you anything. We will not sell your email addresses for money, but we will keep you updated at least once a month about some of the new things that are coming. You can follow us on all the socials. We try to do our best to keep those updated as well, but really the website gives you the information to sign up. And if you'd rather just have stuff show up in your inbox, we'll email you once a month, and keep you updated with what's
0: going on. That's great. Well, friends, it's been a pleasure spending some time with you, learning with you, and we'll we'll have lots more opportunities, lots more going on on this podcast this year. We promise, we promise exciting things in development. So until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye, friends.